Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. I'm your host, Pete. I'm your other host, Bob. Hi, other host, Bob. How are Hi, you? Host. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Kind of got like, uh, I'm loose right now. So uh, I'm hoping, I don't know, you know, what do we even have on the docket for today? I'm hoping we can keep it loose. Um, Pete, how's, how's your month been? You know, uh, just behind the curtain, we're recording in September. You probably won't hear this till October, so that's okay. But um, how's your month been? So my month has been a time of change. Um, I am, I've had some stuff going on with my work life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, basically changing it all around. Um, a lot more kind of freedom in what I'm working on and what I'm doing. So it's been equal parts exciting, but also uh, just stressful in the kind of day-to-day organization. Um, but at the same time, you know, I guess, again, peek behind the curtain, we're recording this mid-September. Mm-hmm. So... Summer's kind of coming in, coming to an end, maybe kind of over. Yeah, slowly, um, quietly, quickly. Yeah, although it's still been warm, so I'm still trying to go to the beach. Um, Same. As I mentioned on last week's podcast, um, I had the power out for a little bit. There's been some crazy storms, so it's been uh, it's been up and down, Bob. I'm not gonna lie. It's been it's a lot of good, but also just like not even bad. I mean, you know, it's life can get much worse uh but it's been uh just uh, a little stressful here and there but overall good overall things are good love that my month has used the word what did you you say it's changing it's transitioning kind of you know um as a parent and as a parent of two with a little one um three months old that is the, we're having a big, so the day my son went back to school, my uh, significant other, she went right back to work the same day. And so it's me and a three month old all day, every day. Um, and then for a few hours in the afternoon, me, a seven, a seven year old and a three month old for a few hours. So it is an adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to shout out, uh, all the people out there who take care of kids, um, who also have other things they do in life, whether it's a job, whether it's priorities, whether they have shifting jobs, big shout outs because you hit things like back to school. You hit things like, uh, you know, your partner going back to work after being off for maternity leave. And, uh, it really makes you, you appreciate the time where, uh, you, you have a little more freedom. <laughs> yeah. So appreciate the free time, man. I oh, mean, I can't even best. relate to the kids thing myself, but like, but even just with what I have going on, I'm like, I'm like, man, I really wish I had more, uh, more time to sit around and do oh, whatever I want to oh, do. Oh, I mean, I find myself staying up a little later. So I have that little bit of decompression time at the end of the night where I can just chill, watch TV, whatever it is. That's what you got to do. Go on a walk, put your headphones on, oh, whatever, yeah, well, whatever you well, get into. As documented, I've been doing a lot of walking. Pete, I think it is, it, today is the 15th. I think I'm at 50 miles walked so far this month. Wow. 
So uh, maybe That's I'll hit great. 100. Last month, I only hit 91. I'm hoping to hit 100 this month. That'll be cool. Good for you. Um, I wanted to do a boardwalk uh, trek with do you it, before, the end of, before the end of all this, but maybe we do it midwinter and just get real rough about oh, it. Oh, I mean, yo, that's I'm planning. I, I'm, I'm planning. I'll be uh, better get your booties on because it's cold <laughs> out there. Um, it's always I, cold out there. <laughs> what do you think this is? Miami Beach? Yeah. <laughs> Not hardly. Um, so I um, today I changed it up. I usually walk from either Belmar or Avon by the sea up to Asbury Park and back. Today, I started in Spring Lake and went up. And I went almost to Ocean Grove, but uh, my my companion, my three-month-old friend, decided <laughs> that she was not interested in the six-mile walk that we had started. And she decided to let me know about that at the three-mile mark. So, uh. Uh, so instead of... It probably, if I had made it all the way to Asbury and the end in Asbury all the way back to Spring Lake, it might have been close to 10, but I only got to six. That's okay. Still, she's a very good walker for three months old. <laughs> well, you know what? She's a really good package at three months old. That's, <laughs> I just carry her. So, um, bless up to those carrier things. Those things are, are cool. So, um, <laughs> we're not here to talk about carrying babies or how our months are going or transitions. We are here to talk about a little band named Rites of Spring. Yeah. And their self-titled album, but we're kind of looking at them a little bit more holistically than we normally do. We're not going to do the track by track. We could, but, uh, you know, what, what were your reasonings, Pete? So my reasonings were just, and I'm, I'm going to kind of give a little bit away, but um, there are a few really standout tracks on this. But overall, there were a lot of songs that uh, I just didn't have. I didn't find myself having all that much to say that that don't kind of apply to the whole record itself. Um, so I didn't want to sound super repetitive in how we were kind of discussing the, the album. I'm with it because... Uh... So um, we should introduce this band because this might be one that people aren't as familiar with. But um, yeah, the, the album is an album to me. I think there are some, as you said, some, some tracks that stand out, some, some mixtape songs, if you will, some tracks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't, you know, and it depends on the purview. I actually don't know how you feel about Rights of Spring much, which I like. We always have fun with this. Yeah, same um, with you. That's right. So I was very curious to see where you fall because I'm a pretty big fan with a big asterisk. Yeah. So I want to get into that and um, and really gush about this band a little bit and maybe not gush, but um, let's, let's start with who is Rites of Spring? So I don't know all that much aside from they were very short-lived um, I think I'm reading on Wikipedia now, 1984 to 1986. They only played 15 shows. Right. Yes. Um, I do know, I think of them as being more noteworthy because two of the members went on to be in the band Fugazi. Yes. That's, uh, so that's the big, the big note really about yeah, this band. Yeah. And then, you know, if you know anything about DC hardcore and like, like of the kind of early to mid eighties, um, there was a period kind of generally known as revolution summer yep 
and this band along with i think embrace and a few other bands kind of fell in that kind of category of like what was called revolution summer so 100 percent um so to kind of give some some texture to all that um when people talk about DC Hardcore, when you talk about Discord Records, there should be one band that comes to mind, and that band is... Minor Threat. That's right. Uh, and what Minor Threat was a part of was this early 80s DC punk hardcore scene that uh, really stretches from you know 80 to 83, maybe even butting up to 84. But in you know that's Minor Threat, that's SOA, that's... Uh, government issue that's uh, uh, um, youth brigade that's you know uh, teen idols I- teen idols double uh, O Iron Cross all these bands there's a there's a ton marginal man um, they might come they they're a little later uh, I, scream. I actually I found out recently that one of the the necro seven inch was partially on Discord yep yeah uh, yeah half yeah if you look and um, I believe one of the SSD records is a discord half um so yeah i went i went my whole 36 years without knowing that somehow it's well because you you associate the necros with touch and go and then you realize yeah yeah. oh wait actually discord was touching uh that scene and touching the boston the the exclaim scene yeah and you realize this kind of community really really was that um so that said the early 80s DC scene and Void Faith definitely should be mentioned. And, yep. and tons of not saying that you can check out the Flex Your Head comp. There's a bunch on there that are really noteworthy. Uh, I love the untouchable songs on there. That starts to wind down 82, 83, 84 for sure. But even more so a lot of those the players a lot of the people in these bands people who are active in this world were looking at the aggression and the violence that was kind of becoming synonymous with the hardcore scene and going wait this isn't really this isn't really what we had in mind this isn't what this was all about you know um or and and this is why it's left to interpretation. They changed their minds and their perspective on it changed. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of weird breaking point, 84 to 85, where um, there's tension between the people in DC and what what they want to do and what, what the what the scene, you know, for lack of a better term, what what that community is going to look like, what their shows are going to look like. And that's sort of where the revolution summer stuff comes into play where it's still really sonically tone wise, an evolution of the stuff you would, and, and also very, very honestly, a lots of the same people who were involved in that early eighties discord scene doing a sound that's just a little different than what they were doing before. And maybe with a focus on, hey, this doesn't... The aggression that we were looking at before, it's still there, but it's being funneled and, and transformed in a different way through the music. So, um, and, and maybe we're going to be thinking about lyrics and the way we write this music differently because we don't want to evoke violence 
you know we actually we actually reject it so it's this really unique point in hardcore you know history for again lack of a better term but but in the lineage of this stuff is this interesting point so i encourage people to check it out look into the revolution summer time frame but the right spring lp that we're talking about today um is probably if not the signature record of the time frame one of you know one of the maybe two or three i I, i'd throw the embrace record in there too but that actually came out posthumously um right and so that's kind of one of the notes there and i I don't even know i'm actually curious if right spring record also kind of came out posthumously um but anyways um i mean when you think of the fact that and i honestly didn't know this until i watched that i think there was a like a DC hardcore documentary that came out a few years ago. Yes. Um, and they talk about revolution summer and I didn't realize that it was pretty literal where it was a thing that kind of happened over the course of an actual summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a course of a summer and there was this like big energy to start new bands and do new things with the music. Yeah. So then you look at, you know, this record, Rights of Spring, came out in 1985. Embrace came out in 1986 uh, or 1987, actually. Yep. So it's like, so it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever was happening that summer was obviously just at that time and place. And then whatever recorded music came out may not have come out until much later. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, so that is who this band is from D.C., um, and they were kind of formed out of that early 80s scene. Uh, it was a kind of group of guys all coming together. Um, so, uh, Where, that, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, I mean, let's get into like where you heard them. At what point did you hear them? I mean, you and I, you know, kind of the conceit of this podcast is you and I have been involved in punk and hardcore for a while. So obviously, yeah, we were both familiar with this record and probably heard it a while ago, but like, yeah, were I you can, a fan? Where did you land on it? When did you hear it? So I heard it pretty early because the discord material was all like <clears throat> super formative to me. I thought, I thought, you know, obviously minor threats, the first one it's, it's yeah. their entry level and it's, you know, it's a weird thing to explain if somebody who's listening isn't, some diehard hardcore fella or maybe is younger and just has a different experience. Um, starting your hardcore music listening with minor threat is sort of like being told, Hey, here's basketball. This is a <laughs> sport. Um, watch this guy, Michael Jordan. And you just watch Michael Jordan play. And it's like, okay, now we're going to introduce you to the rest of them. And you're like, yeah, but no, most of these aren't, they're not as good as this Michael Jordan guy. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, I know. Right. It's yep. like, Jesus. So usually when you uh, climb a mountain, you don't start at the top, but here we are. Um, but I, I was kind of actively interested in it. And to be really honest, I kind of started learning about, this stuff early like i knew about the revolution summer stuff i was really into the band dag nasty um mm-hmm. which was uh, a band brian baker did after doing minor threat and it's like oh this is interesting because it's different i wonder what the other guys from minor threat did and then i learned about fugazi and i was like okay at, as a teenager fugazi really didn't click for me like almost not at all sure 
Um, but but it was something that did click for some people I knew, and I'd hear it a lot. So I'm like, okay, and you know, a couple tracks, right? Um, really got into them later in life. Uh, but but then I backtracked into Embrace, which was in Makai's band after Minor Threat, uh, that has mentioned already. And then from Fugazi, I also backtracked into Rites of Spring. Embrace clicked right away. Mm-hmm. Rites of Spring didn't. Um, and it didn't click for a few years. And, um, you know, it's interesting because when I think about it, there's a lot of sonic similarities between Embrace, well, Rites of Spring and the band The Faith, mm-hmm. who did the Faith Void split. And when it comes to the Faith Void split, I'm a Void guy. <laughs> you know? Same. Yeah. But when I listen to the Faith material, I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, this is solid. And with Rides of Spring, it lacked a little bit of the dramatic flair that I always think Ian Mackay brings to his band. So Embrace just has these unbelievably like dramatic, epic parts to the music that to me always struck a tone and with rides of spring, those parts weren't as obvious. Now, when you start to break it down, there's a lot of emotion in rides of spring. So I found it later, but it took, it took me a while and I'll get there, but give me your origin point with rides of spring. Yeah. So, um, I definitely, I think similar to you heard minor threat first, then heard Embrace because, you know, the idea was, hey, Ian McKay actually did a band after Minor Threat that was, you know, sounded really different. It was more melodic and more kind of mid-tempo and this and that. So I instantly kind of took to that. Right. Um, I remember picking up Rites of Spring pretty shortly thereafter. I don't know, you know, who recommended it or what, but I yeah. got it. And... I remember really liking a few tracks on it, but I don't remember going back to it all that often. It, it like it was one of those things that I knew that I should have, but I wasn't quite into it as much as I wanted to be. Yeah. Um and that being said, like quite honestly, listening to it now, this was the first time I've listened to this and probably 15 years oh wow okay i might even maybe even longer okay i I, i'm not sure but there were a few songs that i remembered very clearly um that i still really like but overall um it's not a record that i just ever really listened to all that often um and even fugazi i uh I i think similar to you as well like I didn't take to them immediately. Then I heard, I guess I probably just heard waiting room enough on like skateboard videos. <laughs> right. Decided, commercials like, or whatever. Yeah, like actually, Oh, like actually this song's cool. And then got, you know, uh, repeater and kind of got in from there and then heard red medicine and thought that was more interesting and kind of really got into them at that point. But, um, yeah, it's just, this is one of those records that I always felt like there was something there that I was missing because I, I never disliked it, but I never loved it the way that certain people would talk about it. Um, and I always wanted to get it, but I'd never got it. So this was like kind of fun to listen to in that respect. 
so I I think I spent some time doing the revisit, and actually, it's something we talk about on Axe to Grind. Um, the like, oh, give it you you check it out every however many years. Sometimes we say five years. Sometimes it's like, oh, I check this out every couple years. You know, <laughs> right. depending on how much you want to like something, right? Mm-hmm. With Rights of Spring, I was like there's something here and it just wasn't connecting at first. But like you said, I, I liked it. There was parts I liked right off the bat. Um, you know, I think the song for want of like has this, this um, there's a bit more immediacy and urgency in the song than some of the rest of the record. Uh huh. And let me clarify. I think this record actually has a ton of emotion a ton of desperation a ton of urgency and immediacy just not in the same way as like the first four seven inches do right <laughs> like it's just different but you well, have to look, you have kinda, to look for it you have to it, like uncover it it's kind of coming from a different place to me like uh the first four seven inches on discord are pure kind of teen angst Yep. And and this is like early 20s kind of more existential angst where it's yep. like you may have you like you've had like a relationship that went wrong uh you know you've just had a little bit more life experience. Yeah, you you can see nuance in things um all of a sudden there are shades of gray where right, before right. it might have been black and white. Um 100% in so much as I think we're on the same wavelength that I looked up Guy Picciotto's age, lead singer of Rides of Spring, who also I was going to ask you that question. That's so funny. He was 20 in 1985. Okay. That's which perfect. tracks. I was like, Oh, yeah. actually like if you had told me he was 23, I would have gone, Oh yeah, there it is. hundred percent. But still 20 yeah. is not, not, not especially in the early eighties. A lot of these bands for the un in, in Unin, you know, immersed, yeah. uninitiated. Thank you. Um, a lot of these bands were eighteen-year-olds, you know. So a twenty-year-old, right. yeah, he was. He he probably felt as though he had been around and seen a lot, and yada blah blah. Um. So yeah, it feels like there's more going on here. Um. So so it does connect with me. It eventually connects with me in a minor way when I'm in my early twenties, and I. I I like it. I'm like, okay, I like this record. Um, it's it's cool. There's songs I go back to and think about, but it's still not like something I really, really am like, this is, you know, at this point, this isn't in my top, uh, it might be in my top five Discord records. It's right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, okay. it's pretty high. Um, certainly in my top five Discord, like full lengths. Um, yeah. You know, which, which maybe dude, isn't I, saying that much. When I was digging into that, there is a lot of Discord that I have not heard oh, at he, all. Oh, yeah. So uh, I have buddies who've done like Discord dives where they go through everything. Yeah. Um, it's it's something, man. I mean, I'm even t- to the point where, and I was someone who was steeped in it for a while, just not Discord, but just, you know, the hardcore punk stuff. And I mean, I can't say I've ever heard double O. I don't know that I've 
ever heard. I honestly, I gave like no attention to the to the faith. Uh, I mean, and and that's something I think you would be able to revisit and see some value to. But you know, like in reality, do I think you're going to like Iron Cross? Yeah, not really. You know, yeah, yeah. There's some good government issue material. Um, I mean, so so that's another band, and you know, we don't we don't have to get tangential, no. but that's another band that like there are bands that still kind of reference government issue that I'm a fan of. Yeah. So they're, they're a band they're you know, talking about going back and revisiting bands. Yep. I've tried to revisit them and it's not that I don't like it. I just don't get it. I don't get what the, <laughs> what the differentiator I guess is for them. Yeah. So like yeah, what I makes them stand out. Yeah. Yeah. There's man. Yes, there, the government issues a whole can of worms to talk about. Uh, yeah, Basically, because sure. I think there's like, there's like, all right, you know what? They have a really well done wiki. At some point, look at it. Whoever's listening, to me, it's Legless Bull. I think Boycott Stabs, okay. And then it's the like late era stuff can be kind of interesting. Um, okay. The like late 80s, they have a couple interesting things that happen there. So, um anyways yeah discord's crazy there's a lot of stuff it's and crazy but, he, but we're even not some even of, scratching the itch of the 90s discord stuff which there's people who are a fan oh, of it you know yeah yeah but i mean but i mean even like other kind of stuff of the similar era uh, yeah, as of right the classic spring. era right like, right but but classic or like yeah i mean but even like kind of a, a like immediate post classic like yep. like beef eater is that considered classic i don't know but i've never heard them <laughs> So um, I heard Beef Eater Pete when I bought the record at Black Hat Records in Red Bank. Ah. And uh, never was more bummed about a purchase. It was really <laughs> bad. Um, so anyways, and I think I think the uh, proprietor of that establishment might have thought it was kind of funny because he's like, oh, there's no chance this 17-year-old's going to like this record. That's a good Here bit. There you go. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, <laughs> so my final salvo about Rides of Spring is then then I really was like, all right, you know what? <sighs> I like this record, but I haven't. It was probably a five, ten year window where I didn't go back to it. It was probably like 2006, seven, somewhere in there to 2015. And I went back to it and I was like, oh, all of a sudden, some of the songs that were that passed through me hit like a ton of bricks. Yeah. love with this record because I, I think there's so much there's so much nuance in it despite being like yo this is still very much a hardcore record so this is for people who are looking for broader references this record has been called post hardcore this record has been called emo 
like mm-hmm. the the very one of the very first starts of emo. Um, all those things are totally true, but it also has these biting points and aggressiveness. And when you listen to it, like one of the biggest things to me about punk or hardcore music is that there should be urgency. Um, some form of aggression that's not always violence or, or screaming and yelling, but just something that's biting and pulls you in Mm -hmm. and desperation. Um, and especially desperation in the vocals. And I think this record's an incredible example of that where you start to listen to it and you can just feel him emoting in this way that's like, that is the separator of this record to me from a lot of the other melodic hardcore records of the time. There was a time in my life, a large portion of my life, where like Bob, Dag Nastier writes a spring and it's like, yeah, Dag Nasty. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm like, well, I don't, it's rights of spring, but I do really have a love for those Agnasty records still. It's just that rights of spring is so comparing the two is hard too, because despite the fact they're from the same place, they they're worlds apart in a lot of ways. And I think in where they wanted like rights of spring, I don't know if there was any true intent for it to be, more than it was if that makes sense you know Mm -hmm. like they were a band who played 15 shows in the dc greater area uh i'm sure they played virginia i know they played baltimore at least once um but i don't know how much they played even outside of the area like did they make it philly or dc i don't know i don't think so yeah um and it's sort of like well dag nasty was going on tour with the Descendants. Dag Nasty wanted to be a band. They wanted to go out and rock, you know? And so it's it feels really different in texture, despite the fact that we're talking about two bands who timeline-wise were at, at least at one point concurrent, but their heads were in different directions completely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dag Nasty, I remember you being a big fan of that record. Oh, and I, I, uh, I'm still... I still say I love that record, although I haven't revisited it in a while. Right. Um, I think I I can pretty confidently say that I would take the first Dagnasty record over this. Okay. Um, but again, I haven't I haven't listened in a while, so I don't. Who knows? Um, but for me, like Rites of Spring. The kids that I knew at the time, and at the time when I say that, I'm talking like late 90s, early 2000s, who were big fans of this record. Yes. I, I think it makes sense because, you know, like you said, uh, how do you say his name? Guy? Guy. Guy. Yeah. So Guy was 20 at the time. I feel like a lot of the emotions and uh, like the lyrics are great, first of all. I think that the lyrics and like his performance are kind of what sets this whole thing apart. So I think that's important to say. Um, I don't. I don't know that there's all that much here. Had it not been for him, um, if I'm being honest, but I think that if what he's talking about through these songs, like like you know, the reason I didn't want to do the track by track is just because it's always about him. Like so, like so, obviously, some songs are stronger than others, but like 
the consistency here is the 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 lyrics yeah um you know like i tried to hide the heart from the head is like mm. such a good line and Crazy it's something that line. like it takes you it takes you a little bit of a few years to kind of like recognize that in yourself you know um and to just kind of hear someone kind of sorting that out emotionally in real time on this album it's it's really profound um and i think that if you hear that at the right time it's going to really affect you and probably be a record that you hold in really high regard Mm -hmm. you know for a long time um i have a lot of records like that this was not one of them for sure so now like listening back to it i get why people had that kind of resonance with it but Mm -hmm. and i just i missed it you know i I wasn't paying close enough attention or like whatever. Well, but. It, it, to me, it's the argument that like when you catch a record and how you catch it can matter pretty goddamn greatly. Dude, you know yeah, a hundred percent. So, so that's the thing for me is that I always felt some there. The music, just speaking of the music, let's remove the lyrics and the vocals because I think both of those are just exemplary. I think the music is interesting and it has these flourishes that are really neat. Um, but you're right. If it isn't for the vocals, it might just be okay. Or if you have someone who's both has a less of an interesting style to their 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 vocals and less impactful lyrics, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't carry. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I don't want to like. I don't want to diss the the musicians here entirely. It's not what that's not what I'm my intention here. It's just that like, um, I get why this band was influential in the way that they were, and I get why you know they were kind of name checked as like the originators of emo. I think in certain circles. Oh, I think most. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Right. I mean, um, I I found an interview with Guy where he was like, you know. He was like, what do you like the interviewer was like, what do you think about being the originator of emo? And he was like, Well, I never thought of what we were doing as emo. I just think of us as a punk band. Right. right. You know, like we just we just were kind of singing about what's on our minds, and that's kind of the whole goal of the punk rock thing, isn't it? Like so so but that being said, it's it's obviously a lot more melodic than a lot of the punk that was happening like immediately preceding it. Yep. Um, and immediately so, following it, to be honest, in, uh, on a more national stage. Sure, you know what sure, I mean? yeah. It's, yeah. It stood out. There's a there's a emotional rawness and honesty to the lyrics here. And and I mean, I should say the Embrace record as well. Yeah. Um, that really reframe things and go, oh, okay. And I think impacted punk music from that moment forward. That's not to say they were the first. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be real. Like, you can go back into the SST catalog and find some bands who are singing on some pretty real stuff. I think Husker Du gets pretty in their feelings at different points, even early on. Mm-hmm. But there was a vulnerability to the lyrics that I think hit people in a way that was like, oh, okay. Um, both for good and bad. I think there were some people like, hey, man, like, uh, what happened to the whole anger? You know, what what happened? Why is this this? 
um, why are we at songs about crying now? You know? Yeah. And that could have robbed people the wrong way. But I think it's sort of, when you look back, they, they really were doing something that was outside the norm and, and was pushing back. It was pushing back in a pretty direct way. And also looking at, at the music as kind of this, this art and free expression that's important, you know? Um, and I also should note seven seconds as another pretty important one. Oh, sure. But seven seconds when they, I, I think after this point, you know, post 85, they start to get really more hard on the sleeve. Whereas their earlier material, while very emotional, is playful and um, and is still kind of doing things, but it's it's being done in this playful, irreverent way. Whereas even by New Wind, they start to go a little bit more more um, emotionally open. Whereas Right Spring and Brace are just kind of you know mask off right away. Like here yeah. it is. This is what it's about. So right. Um, ask you some of the questions that we ask frequently on these records go for it is this record is this record relevant um that's tough for this one it's relevant in the way that we talked about the melvins last week it's relevant in the way that the melvins are relevant where i think that like if you want to do a deep dive on you know, how, and I don't even, you know, I never liked emo, but when I say emo, people know what I'm talking about. Um, how kind of more emotional music evolved, how like melodic music evolved from more aggressive music. Like, yeah, yeah. it seems like this is kind of a pivotal point in that. For sure. And obviously had like, had an effect an influence on bands that came after the fact. Um, that being said, like, is it relevant now? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that like someone in their early twenties, late teens could hear this and read the lyrics and feel it in an emotional way. But like musically, I don't know that it would resonate at all. Um, no, I mean, it's a good question. I think, is it relevant? Who is it for? Is it relevant? It is relevant in the way a this is thirty five years old. Yeah. Um, it is relevant because of its impact to 
punk and hardcore music after it and also can be felt in other especially on subcultural levels um kind of micro genres if you will um and certainly genres under the hardcore punk uh broad the broadest definitions of that obviously emo you know um but it's also to me if you were going to name a hundred important punk records from the eighties, this record has to be in there. Hell, if you had to name 50 important punk records from the eighties, I think this has to be in there. 20, yeah, I don't, I don't 20, maybe not, but it's, it's close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think not for nothing. I think this record is highly influential on hardcore of the 1990s. Oh, sure. Okay. You know what I mean? Especially yep. early nineties. And you know, this, this kind of, there's a whole world that kind of owes its chops yeah. to this. Well, that's exactly, yeah. And that's, that's, that's exactly what I, what I meant too, is just like, like there's obviously, this is part of a lineage. It like started yep. that lineage maybe, but like, but, uh, so that can't be denied. It's just like, how does it fall into the contemporary stuff? Like yeah. it may have, it may have been forgotten now because people are looking back to that nineties stuff that was influenced by this. Right. It's it's always going to be like just about twenty years behind, and I feel like this is now somewhat forgotten in that kind of lineage. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh I no, know. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think it. Um, so not I don't for, not forgotten, but just not not as pronounced as it's some it's, of the stuff that followed it. it. Yeah, I think it could be. It's not highlighted. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's a great way to think of it is it's just not highlighted um, because there's exactly what we kind of said. There's there's pieces of this where it wasn't the easiest. It doesn't necessarily have the... I don't think it has the immediacy when you listen to it unless you catch it at the right moment. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I could say that about a lot of bands. I know for, for a fact that I've had friends who felt that way about, you know, the band Quicksand is a good mm-hmm. example, you know. Um, I think I think quietly right to spring influenced a lot of post hardcore as well. Um, oh sure, just any of the post hardcore that followed it in the informing how to go to the next thing from your okay, we're a band with fast parts and parts that people yell and parts that are catchy so people know the words. To okay, how do we how do we go next to the next thing musically here? Um, does it still have an impact? I think it still has an impact, but as said, it might be strained through other things, many other things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually think that I'm hoping this exposes some people who haven't haven't heard this or who haven't heard it recently to revisit because I, I actually think that's what, what really got me on it was that at the age of 30-something... I really gave this another hard listen and it found me in a way it hadn't found me before, you know? So, um, see, that's interesting. Like that, I think that's where you and I differ on this. Yeah. To me, I, I feel like this is firmly like I missed it. Yeah, no, I I know you're saying that. Yeah. Because I'm where, where I'm at in my life. I'm like, I like, and th- this is like my hot take, I guess. No, I, I appreciate it. So to give away the farm, will I be adding this to my personal collection? I already have it. I've had it for a long time, but I... Maybe you'll sell it. 
<laughs> yeah, I like like I don't I just, honestly I don't know that there's like much for me here anymore. Like I don't know that it's a record that I'm that I'm gonna come back to because I just don't I don't think I I think it's like what would have been here for me on this record is you not here for me. It's, yeah, it's it's gone. It's like it's not for me anymore. So here's my question: that the the record that I own is better placed in the hands of someone younger than me who's like looking for it. So that that might be it. Here's what I'll say is that it's not it definitely didn't hit me at a time where musically I was like where where lyrically I was like oh I'm connecting to this if I if that makes sense. It's not like on that level. Yeah. Um it's spade a spade it's been quite a while since I connected like that to to a record. Sure. Um but being able to identify and hone in on the listening. I actually would say this is a good headphones listen. Yeah. Cause I think there's, it's sometimes it's quiet. Uh, some parts that I think could be louder or quiet. Um, but that's sort of what I think a lot of this band is. I think they're quite understated um, and by intent. So I think it's a great headphones listen. And that's sort of where I got into it was like sitting with it as a headphone listen. I found that it brought a lot of the things I like and love about hardcore, which are the urgency, desperation, immediacy, and some aggression, but without some of the things that, quite honestly, I don't need all the time, which are, sure. you know, yeah, the lyrical content, yeah, it's cool, it's neat, it's it's clever, and it's, it's obviously thoughtful. And I think that meant something more to me in my early 20s. When yeah. I had first kind of really rediscovered this, um, but what I really don't want is just lunkhead nonsense. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yo, know, sometimes I'm in the mood for that. Sometimes I have to lift heavy buckets, and that's good music for that. Oh, but sometimes yeah. I'm just chilling or going for a walk, and uh, you know, I don't need to set it off in that moment. Sometimes yeah. I need to set it off. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I find this record is I think it's it's it evokes these interesting things whether or not for me that I connect to the lyrics or it means anything to me at that point. That said, if this connects to someone, I think it makes a lot of sense. I oh, own yeah. this record too somewhere, Pete. I don't know where it is, but <laughs> so I don't need to add it to my collection. Yeah. Um this is a uh this is a very interesting record. So here's my question for you. Are there other? So how do you feel about the Embrace LP? And this is not uh, the Embrace episode, so we won't go on it for a while. Yeah, but how I do mean, you feel about it? To my knowledge, again, I think I mentioned before, I uh, I listened to that record a lot more at the time. At the time, meaning like twenty years ago. Yep. Um, it just <laughs> it 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 uh, it resonated with me a lot more than this one for some reason, and I I just went back to it a lot more. Um, that's another one that I haven't listened to in a while. And I'm curious as to how it holds up. I'm curious about Fugazi now too. I mean, I'm curious about a lot of this, like not that stuff of, of this era. Cause obviously Fugazi came after, but like yeah. this kind of a uh, scene. Well, I think Fugazi, the musicality, there's a little more going on. There is, but it's oh. also like, I, I like it really hit with me at a certain point and I haven't revisited them all that much either. So I'm curious, but you know, yeah, I mean, this is actually a great, great content for the episode on a band named Rites of Spring. 
the passing of time. So true. Yeah. So go ahead. Use that embrace. No embrace. I mean, I, I love the record at the time. Um, that's all I can really say. Yeah, no, I, I'm. You, you might need to privately revisit, and we'll talk about on a follow up episode. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think this is the kind of thing. Like, if the music doesn't peak you, and you're over a certain age, you might not catch the lyrics. But they're smart enough that they probably shouldn't offend you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And if you're trying to connect, like, man, when's the last time you connected to an album on a lyrical level, like new music, like new to you, This the lyrics rock here? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not as long as you're thinking, though, like probably within the last two years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Swing of an axe, man. Um <laughs> No. Uh, <laughs> yes, that was it. I was I was listening to uh, the new Madball, and uh, I was I was running, I was lifting. It yeah, was, you were like, it just hit. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, so here's my question for you: Is the record too long? Does it drag? It drags a little bit for me. I mean, just just because some songs are like really obviously better than others, mm. um, more memorable than others. I think again, like the lyrics are pretty strong throughout, but I think that. Um, I don't know. There are probably three or four songs on the whole record that like really, really hit for me where okay, all, of the sure, el- sure. All, all, all of the elements are there musically and kind of lyrically. Um, and then there are a few that kind of, you know, aren't as strong. So, so yeah, it, uh, so it drags a little, a little bit for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I which, also, which is like weird. Cause it's like a, what? 22 re- minute record. Yeah. I don't disagree. I think there's a little bit towards the end where it, tags it's just not doesn't totally rock the whole way through um no it's it's what's oh this is like a long version of it um yeah because the reissue has the seven inch and like like a a, a song that was taken out of it yeah yep so um i would say yeah um it does drag a little bit how do you feel it flows i mean it flows pretty well I think it flows pretty well, and that's kind of why I say I think it's an album listen. I think yeah. when you listen to it, especially the way it's meant to, you know, you start at spring, it ends on end on end. Um, yep. I think it flows very well. Um, quality of the songs and lyrics, we've kind of talked about that. You think two, maybe three hot tracks, but the lyrics are notable and uh, at least pretty memorable. Yeah. And how do they stand up against their contemporaries? Like, I mean, that's it's an interesting question for this band because, like, their contemporaries at the time, you know, I, I think people still reference this band for a reason, right? Like, there weren't that many contemporaries no, doing a similar thing. Doing what they were doing, and if you even expanded out to, um, you know, hardcore punk in general from the time, um, there's very few bands who, who even are in the same competition space as, as rights of spring in terms of lyrical content, um, memorable right. songs. That's, that's different, but you know, doing what they were doing, they're, they're right there. So, yeah. Uh, we talked a bit about the timelessness. What do you think about the presentation of the artwork? I like the artwork. I think it's great. 
Yeah. I, I actually think it's very fitting. And I've spent time thinking about that. Like, is this one of those kind of chicken or the egg situations where it's like, it's so ingrained because um, yeah. I've known the record for so no, long. I feel that. But I also think it, it has this weird sparseness to it. And there's some visual ambiguity. Like you could look at this thing and say it's five different things. It's a bit of a Rorschach. Yeah. But um, but it also works both with the band's name and the sound. So I think that's a plus. You've already given away that you're you're not just not adding this to your record collection, but you're you're offering it off. Well, yeah, and I just want to like <laughs> like, but but like to put a finer point on that, it's like yeah. it's one of those things where like if you. If you read a good book, right? I think the responsible thing to do is to, and it really impacts you. The responsible sure. thing to do is to give that to somebody that you think is at a similar place when you read it and 100%. let them read it because it's just like, like you've taken from it what you need from it and like you can give it to them now. Like that's, although I, I already, I mean, the conceit here is that I already said like, you I think had you missed other, it. Yeah. yeah, I missed it. There were other records that did that for me. But if I if I if I met a person that I, like I felt was at that point, I would give them this willingly. Okay, um, All right. because I don't I don't necessarily need it anymore. But who knows? You know, maybe ask me in ten years. <laughs> we'll we'll have to check it out. Um, but we already have given away the uh, you know uh, the the final question, but. I am actually super interested in what you will rate this record. <laughs> I am too. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to rate this record. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Wow. Yeah. All right. <sighs> All right. See, see, I've, I've already given it a really good high rating. So if you go low, it's okay. It all bounces out at the end. So don't feel bad if you go low. I mean, where I'm at now, I'm going to give it a two and a half. That's what I was thinking you were going to give it. Yeah. Which means to me, you acknowledge good record, quality, et cetera, et cetera, but doesn't connect with you for any litany of reasons. Yeah. It's not something that I'm putting on at this point in time. Yeah. I'm with that. Um, it's like, it's, it's like, it's strictly historical interest. Interesting. Okay. There we go. Um, and I, I, I have to be honest. It's one of these things with classic punk and hardcore records. Sometimes they get lost there to, for me as a, you know, 39 year old man. But I also don't want to strictly be living in the past or living in a library style of way where I just listen to things on reference. Right. I think sometimes people get stuck there where it's like, Hey, you know, it's kind of fun to discover new things and listen to things you love, but if you only do one or you only do the other, you're missing out. So it's it's that hard balance. And and I will say this. I, I spent a lot of time away from the Rights of Spring record, and I'll probably throw it into my rotation and, and make sure I'm not going, you know, five, eight, ten years or whatever it was without <laughs> listening to it. But, uh, but you know, it, I it's not something I'm going to be putting on my regular rotation right now. That right. said, if you don't know this record... Maybe you should. Yeah, check it out. I mean, right. if anything, it, it influenced me to... I'm going to go deep on Fugazi now. Interesting. It's been a I, while. 
I think it's going to be an interesting one. Here, let's close with this. Looked it up. Rites of Spring, largely all the flyers I found, almost exclusively Maryland and D.C. area. Only true out-of-state show, out-of-area show I find. Playing at the Polish Army Veterans Hall in Detroit, Michigan with wow. Sonic Youth and the Laughing Hyenas. Whoa, what the fuck? And August 3rd, 1985. I am so fascinated. Cool show. If that happened. Yeah, right? What a weird, cool show. So um, if you or anyone you know, to go full Unsolved Mysteries here, if you know, <laughs> if you were at that show, we want to hear about it. Uh, if you saw Rights of Spring, we want to hear about it. If you have any other Rights of Spring's thoughts, hit us with them. You can follow us on social media at TraxPod. And of course, you can email us all your thoughts, well wishes, disgust, etc. about Rights of Spring and anything else at TraxPod at gmail.com. And just to add to that too, I really want to hear from people who, if you have never heard Rites of Spring mm. and you're listening to them for the first time, yes, I want to know what you think. And if you're a diehard and this is like a pivotal record for you and you think that either myself or Bob or both of us got it wrong or got oh, yeah. some of it right, some of it wrong, I want to hear about all of it. I'm really curious. So hit us up. Thank you, everybody.